I know you hate it when people brag on their kids, and um, but I, I, I make Levi a brunt of a lot of my jokes up here, and uh, he is a, a pistol to be sure, but I just want to read something that he wrote this morning that warms his dad's heart and hopefully warms his Sunday school teacher's hearts and his quizzing teacher's hearts and that he's had here and living hope and so forth. He just wrote this, God is worthy. He said this is scripture, by the way. This is the Levi International Version, I would assume. <laughs> God is worthy. He is the most Christ-like. We kids should be honest like Christians should be. We believe that God will help us no matter what. God lives like no other man. We should help others like others do to us. Scripture tells us that, we are, that where two or more are gathered, we should all be Christ-like even to the ones we hate. <laughs> well, he ain't got that quite right, I don't think. We shall not kill. Even if we don't want to, we should always obey our parents. We shall not lie. God will never leave us. Amen. So uh, something gets in as we continue to uh, be able to plant seeds. So... Sue and I do that, but thank you for your ministry to him in this church uh, as well. Um, we are in a series of messages on bumper sticker theology. Bumper stickers are not the problem. Bumper sticker thinking is the problem. To be able to think that a uh, large issue can be able to summed up in the five or six words that you can be able to get on a bumper sticker is just trivial. It's trite type of thinking. It's not realistic. I would like us as Xenia Nazarenes to think uh, harder on issues uh, than to be able to just have bumper sticker type thinking. Uh, we've been going through some messages, and last week Brandon kind of hit on this topic. This is a book written by Dan Kimball. Um, Brandon spoke last week on that YouTube video that's kind of gone viral that says, I love Jesus, but I hate religion. And um, I under we understand the sentiment by that, but it's a little off track. Uh, they like Jesus, but not the church. That's a similar sentiment. We talked three weeks ago about the bumper sticker that says, Honk if you love Jesus. And all these messages are on the website if you choose to be able to check them out. Uh, then after that, we talked about the bumper sticker that you see a lot down in Yellow Springs. It talks about coexisting. We talked about some of the good things in this bumper sticker, but we also talked that this bumper sticker is a little bit uh, naive. Not only naive, it kind of blends all uh, faith, to, faith together and it kind of puts them all in the muddy middle and really what you believe doesn't make any difference, but what you believe really makes a difference and we talk through that. What else do we have up here? Next week, we'll talk about the bumper sticker that says we're not really perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. So we'll talk about that next week. And uh, this week, well, as I was looking about uh, over the internet on um, the saying, it's not really a bumper sticker uh, as much as it is kind of bumper sticker thinking when people say everything happens for a reason. As I was looking around, I saw that it was amazing to me how many people have this tattoo to their body. Now, the Internet told me that that's Latin. I don't know Latin. And, but uh, someone even wants to tattoo this to their uh, foot, Okay. What else do we have up here? Some people put everything happens for a reason on their coffee mug, on their T-shirts, on the little 
bracelets that we wear around our arms for different reasons on a paperweight on our buttons some bumper stickers have everything happens for a reason there it is in Chinese most of the places where I saw this tattooed on people I couldn't show on Sunday morning but there is one on the hip. Everything happens for a reason. Some people have written books titled Everything Happens for a Reason. The subtitle up there at the top says Finding the True Meaning of the Events in Our Lives. We have this human nature thing going on in us that wants to make sense out of stuff. Some of it is extremely well-meaning. And we say it at funerals, or we say it when people are going through difficult times. I would imagine every single person in this place has either had it said to them or that you've said everything happens for a reason. And many times it's to try to make sense out of difficulty. It's try to make something good out of something that's going on that's bad. Behind that statement is the fact that God is the reason behind that, especially as Christians when we say that one to another or we say the kind of derivatives that we have of, of this and we say something like uh, when people are going through a difficult time or we say, well, God must really be up to something. Meaning that, that this difficult time that you're going through, uh, God is really, God, God's really up to something. Uh, some people say things like, um, uh, you must be awful special for God to trust you with this. Yeah, look on your face like you've heard that one before. Well, thank you, but I don't want to be that special. Uh, God makes no mistakes. Now, certainly it's true that God makes no mistakes, but that's someone's well-meaning effort to take a wrong, a bad situation, a tragedy... And say that God caused it and he doesn't make any mistakes and he'll somehow he'll use it for good. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning something that may not sound very spiritual, but it's true. God does not cause everything that happens. Now, if we believe in a sovereign, omnipotent, that means all-powerful God... We have to believe that everything happens has some way passed through the filter of his will. And I can't explain that. And I don't understand that. But there's no way that you can read the Bible from the front to the end and be able to, under, be able to believe that God causes everything. I would imagine somewhere in the Dayton area last night, a little 13 or 14-year-old girl lost her virginity. God didn't cause that. God didn't cause that. I would imagine somewhere in the Dayton area yesterday, a two or three-year-old child was abused. God didn't cause that. And it's bumper sticker thinking to be able to throw out a little everything happens for a reason without understanding the ramifications of what it is that you're saying. Like most bumper sticker think, thinking, this is 
rooted in Scripture. Romans 8.28 is a place in Scripture where people have taken this verse to mean something that it doesn't. Some of the older translations translated in such a way it's a little easier to be able to have that faulty thinking. But Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good. Not that all things are good, but that in all things God is working for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Not that all things are good, but God is working all things for the good. And it's a very special condition that this promise is given to. It's not given to any Tom, Dick, and Harry walking the face of the earth. You cannot go up to your coworker, who is a Christmas and Easter type of a person and gives a, just a little tap of the hat to God and be able to say, listen, hon, all things work together for good. Doesn't apply to people except to the people that love him. And what does it mean to love him? Well, I come in and I raise my hands. I come in and I get goosebumps. I come in and, and, and I just feel him. Well, Good. But 1 John says, those who love him obey his commandments. Those who love him obey his commandments. And, and while that might not be a whole lifetime of absolutely perfect obedience, my heart is bent toward him. My heart is directed toward him. I have not loved my wife perfectly in the 16 years we've been married, but I, my heart is bent toward her. The direction of my life is toward her. And the direction of your life can be toward God, even though in our humanity we may not love him perfectly from time to time. The, my heartbeat can be solely toward him. That's who that verse is toward, related to. And to those people, you can be able to say, God will work all these things together. He's working for the good in all of this. If you love, if you trust him, if you hang in there with him, you may not see the reason for this, but God is working in all of this if you hang in there. Not that it's good. Not that he caused this. But let's see if God can give reason for what happened. I remember... I can't remember the guy's name, played for the Buffalo Bills several years ago and had an injury in, in a game and was paralyzed. And he came back and, and, and was giving some speech from his wheelchair. And he's, he has really done well in his life and, and, and inspiring a lot of people. And he says, and he said there, everything happens for a reason. Well, bless his heart. I'm glad that he has he's taken that tragedy and he, his attitude has been good, and he's made good choices from that. And he's living his life to the fullest now in a wheelchair. But I just can't say here that God wanted him paralyzed. Maybe in the whole scheme of things, maybe, I don't know, I, I even want to whisper it. Maybe God did, but I can't say that. I just can't be like Pat Robertson after 9-11 and get up and say, 9-11 happened because of the homosexuals. I'm not audacious enough to be able to speak for God 
in all of that. So this is a scripture where this bumper sticker theology is, it comes from, but it has a very limited amount of people that this is directed to, people who love him and are called to be able, according to his purpose, to follow him closely. Now, there are times God does cause bad things and uses them for good. I think of no better example than the cross of Jesus Christ. That, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So the cross was not something that just, that just sneaked up on God and said, well, I guess we've got to go to the cross. No, it, he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So this was a bad thing. There's no way the cross was a good thing. And we may sing about the cross and all that, but the cross was a bad thing that God had to be able to use in his redemption of all the world. The cross was a bad thing that God caused and that God is using for good. Apostle Paul, we always sing a song, the grace is enough. That comes straight from Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Apostle Paul says, man, i got a thorn in my flesh. We're not told what the thorn in the flesh is. He says, I've got a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan that was sent to, 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 to torment him. Old King James says to buffet him. And, and, and he said, I prayed to God three times that God would be able to take this from me. And God spoke to me. And, 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 and says, I'm not going to answer your prayer. I'm not going to take it from you. But I'm going to be able to, to, to use it in your life to show you that when you are weak, then you are strong. When you are weak, then Christ's strength can be made perfect in your life. That was a bad thing. I assume a thorn in the flesh is not a good thing. Some people speculate that the Apostle Paul had some kind of eye deformity because on the couple of his letters that he writes, he has other people write his letters for him, and that's one reason people speculate that. Then at the end of some of his letters that you can see in the New Testament, he says, I sign in my own name. See how big my letters are. Like maybe he couldn't see very well and had to write in big. We don't know. But that evidently was something bad that God did use for a good thing to sow the apostle that when you're weak, when you're weak, you can be strong. Paul, I've given you surpassingly great revelations, is what it says. I've given you more insight into God than I've given any other human being. Now, to keep you from getting puffed up, can keep you from thinking you're a big shot, from keep you from thinking that you're too big for your britches, giving you a thorn in the flesh. So there are times that some bad things have been given by God and can be used for good. But for me to just throw it out here, to throw it out here, to throw it out here, to throw it out there, well, Hurricane Katrina, I can tell you why that happened. That's a godless town. All the witchcraft in that town. God has finally judged that town. Well, maybe because it's below sea level had something to do with the fact You build your house in North Carolina on the beach, don't be surprised if it gets a hurricane comes and destroys it. Sometimes bad things are just bad things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. If you're not a Christian here today, 
and you're just processing this decision of turning your life over to Christ, can I tell you that you're still going to have a whole lot of trouble in life? Can I tell you that you are not going to be immune to marital trouble? You're not going to be immune to financial trouble? You're not going to be immune to trouble with your kids? You're not going to be immune to the difficulties, the normal ups and downs that we have for living in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But behold, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Sometimes bad things are just bad things because we live in a fallen world. Friends, this world is not as it should be because of Genesis chapter 3. This world is not as it should be. The Bible says that sin came into the world through one man, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, I think. Because of, of the unbelief of our first father and mother, sin has come into this world, and this world is not as it should be. Well, I don't really understand that, Mark. I'm not sure if I understand it. But I'm trusting in what God's Word says here. And God's Word said that after after. Adam and Eve uh, believe, did not believe, did not stand on God's word, that, that all of a sudden their lives are going to be difficult. And man, you're going to have to struggle for your toil. Your labor is not going to be easy. You're going to have to get it by the sweat of your brow. And women, you're, you're going to deliver children in, in, in difficulty in childbirth. Evidently, that, that verse says that childbirth was not supposed to be a painful thing. But because of the fallenness in this world, Bad things just happen, friends. Cancer was not supposed to happen. Divorce was not supposed to happen. Child abuse was not supposed to happen. We live in a fallen world, and there are a multitude of ramifications for that. Do I have a scripture up here? First Peter, maybe? Peter writes... Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> you get that? Don't be surprised that you're going through a tough time like, like it's odd. Don't be surprised that, that you're going through a tough time like it's something that's never happened to nobody else. Don't be surprised like this is something strange. I can't fully explain it. don't fully understand it. I, my charge is to preach to you the word of God. We live in a fallen world. Things are not as they should be. Don't get freaked out. Don't act like it's something strange. This world is not as it should be. My, my cousin, maybe, maybe 15 years ago, was going to adopt a child, and they were working with the birth mother and and so it came right down to delivery, and when the baby was delivered, I really don't remember it all, but somehow the brain was outside the skull, and the child was just not going to live very long. And I can remember her calling me on the phone, and she's, you know, was just saying, you know, why? Why? And my first inclination, I did not say this, but my first inclination was, and you're going to think this is so unmerciful of me or something. But my first inclination, I did not say that. My first inclination was, 
Well, why not? Don't act if something strange is happening to you. Don't act like this has never, ever happened to anyone else. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't act like we're such good people that this should never happen to us. That's the legalist understanding, that because we're good, good things don't happen to us. That's, that's, that's a legalist understanding of Christianity. Stuff happens in this world. Children are born with deformities. I don't know why. I don't know why. And part of us, when we throw around a God doesn't make any mistakes or God's up to something or you must be real special for God to trust you with this or everything happens for a reason, some of the heart behind that is wanting to be able to explain the inexplicable. Don't feel like you have to do that. Don't feel like you have to do that. Why can't we just do, when we're with people that are going through tragedy in their lives, why can't we just do as the Bible tells us to do? Weep with those who are weeping and mourn with those who are mourning. Instead of trying to break some, make some big theological statement that many times we just look silly trying to do that. We live in a fallen world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So sometimes bad things that happen are bad. Just because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes some things that happen are bad. God didn't cause them. They're just bad because the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. And, and, and we may have ignored his correction or ignored his warning. And the Bible says to those he loves, he disciplines. And I assume discipline is not, uh, uh, would not be a good thing. It's something that the Bible says we are to endure. But it could be one of the reasons that bad things are happening in my life. I not, may not be under any kind of curse. I'm, I, I, I just, it's just, I've not been living as I should live. I have not responded to God's conviction. And thus, as any loving father would do, he is trying to show me that he loves me by disciplining me to be able to teach me right from wrong. I think we have Hebrews. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. God is saying that if we're going, under, going through the discipline of God, and I'm not sure many times how to tell if it's God's discipline or if it's something else. But if we are going through the discipline hand of God, the writer of Hebrews almost says, hey, man, almost rejoice in that because that proves you're a son or a daughter of God. Almost rejoice in that because that proves that God loves you. When a father disciplines his child, it proves that they're loved. I try to convince that to Levi, and it's just not working. <laughs> and it's, it didn't work when my dad tried to convince me of that. But I know the truth of that, that when I turn Levi over my knee and says, brother, I don't call him brother. I say, Levi, 
Daddy's just doing this because he loves you. That's true. Daddy's just doing this because he loves you so much, he wants you to learn right from wrong. And the writer says, we understand that from an earthly perspective, but we can understand that from a heavenly perspective as well. So some bad things are because we live in a fallen world. Some bad things are maybe because we've ignored God's warnings. We've ignored his correction. We've ignored his word. And we are not illegitimate sons, so he must correct who he loves. In the same way as earthly parents should. Don't blame God. Don't put a lot of mess on God that he didn't create. I'll never forget my dear sweet wife. You know, Sue doesn't get fired up very often. But when she did, does, her nostrils flare just a little bit. <laughs> and we were planning our first church in Georgia. And three weeks before we had our first service, Sue had to go to surgery to remove some cysts that she had on her ovaries. And everybody came up, well-meaning, and said, you know, you're all doing a great thing from God. You're planting a church. You know the devil's not going to take this line down. Oh, you're so see my little wife. <laughs> she was polite, and she smiled to them. But when they left the room, she said, don't give, don't give, uh, blame God in some way. Don't give the devil credit for this. He says, I, she says, I knew I've had this situation going on for so long. I've just been my own fault. I put it off and put it off, and now it's inflamed. It has nothing to do with three weeks from now. leads into the last reason sometimes that bad things are just bad things is because we make poor choices. We make poor choices. We, from the 46th verse of God's word all the way through the end, we are people of responsibility. We are people of free will. And we make good choices and we make bad choices. And don't blame God because of my bad choice. Don't rail against God. God, why did you let this? How could you let this happen? Moms and dads can't. Oh, how, God, how did you let my daughter get pregnant? Well, I know how she got pregnant. <laughs> God does not overrule our bad choices. I think one scripture that I, I didn't put up here. A man's own folly ruins his life. Folly is, is stupidity. It's um, uh, poor choices. A man's own folly ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord, like somehow it's his fault. 
God has given me, God has given you a tremendous honor by making us people of free will and not making us little puppets that he's the puppet master up there. Some of the stuff that happens is just my own lousy choice. And if we'll be honest with ourselves for just two seconds, we'll admit that. This is kind of a bummer of a message. <laughs> but I, I want us so much to think biblically and to think theologically and to think about the ramifications. Oh, God, why did you let it rain on my day of my outdoor wedding? So you have one Christian right here that's praying for sunlight on the day of her outdoor wedding. You've got the other Christian farmer over here who's just praying for rain because the ground is just dry as it can be. Now what's God supposed to do? <laughs> it's like the whole Tebow thing. you got Tebow over here just some people think, praying for the Broncos to win and God favors Tebow and so the Broncos have, uh, beat the Steelers. Then you've got some big, bad, good football players over here in black and gold that are praying that they win the game. And they're Christians too. But God loves Tebow more. God's a Bronco fan. Let me give you some good news to go home on. Bad things happen in this world. We live in a fallen world. I don't know why things happen. God doesn't cause them all. A lot of them are our own choice. But let me tell you, this world is not our home. There is a day when all things will be made right. As the choir sang, there is a day where there is no more sorrow and no more pain. And in us preachers, in a desire to be practical in our teaching, which is really good, we have neglected many times the hope that we have in heaven. Because we don't want to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But this world is not our home. And I don't know why bad things happen. And I don't know why that happened to that girl and that happened to that family. I have no, I have no clue. But for the Christian, there's a day all things will be made right. I try to remember to write 1 Corinthians 15, 19. When I, when I sign in at funerals, I, I don't always remember. But I tried to sign my name and then write 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. It's great that I give you practical teaching that helps you in the daily 8 to 5 grind of your life. Wonderful. A, a biblical. But no, it's never going to be right. It's never going to be like it should be. 
we're never going to be able to live on this earth with a place with no more tears. You never know what's going to happen when you drive home today. So if my hope in Christ is only for this life, Apostle Paul says, I'm to be pitied. I'm to be pitied more than all men. And I know even at 53 years old, I'm not someone that really... Some of you folks that are older and you're in the 70s and 80s and I hear you talking about, well, I just, I can just taste heaven and I just, I just, I just want to be there. You know, I know it's going to be great and everything, but I just as soon stay right here right now. Can I say that? Can I say that? But knowing when I stay here to see my boys grow up and all of that, I'm going to live in a fallen world. Or there's just junk all around me. And this world is not all that there is. And if I only have hope for Jesus in this life, to make this life better, to make my life better in this life, Paul says, I'm to be pitied. I'm to be pitied more than all men. I'm going to try to quote you something that Diana Stahl said to me after the first service. And I hope I do it right. I've never heard it before. She said her grandfather, who's a preacher, said it. So I hope I say it uh, close to being right. Um, For the Christian, this earth is the only hell we'll ever know. For the unbeliever, for the unbeliever, this earth is the only heaven. That's a while, isn't it? I've never heard that before. For the Christian, this earth is the only hell we'll ever know. For the unbeliever, this earth is the only heaven they'll ever know. For us as a Christian, this world is not our home. And there is hope beyond this world on a day that all things will be made right. I have not brought comfort to you that have experienced terrible tragedy in your life. I know I haven't. Like, I'm not ever going to be able to. The best I can do is, is weep when you weep and mourn when you mourn. I, I know I haven't answered questions of why bad things happen to good people. I know I haven't, because I can't. And don't believe any preacher that tells you that he or she can. We live in a world that's not right. We live in a world that trust in Jesus can make this world a better place for us, but it'll never be right. And as we trust Jesus, there's an eternal perspective. I'll close with this. I may have told you this. And if, if I have um, blamed my 53-year-old brain who forgets things, Dr. Jerry Walls was standing for his philosophy of religion class, of which I was a part in 1998. He came to the lectern, and it was a class met in a huge auditorium, so there was like 100 in the class. And he came to the lectern in our philosophy of religion class to start the class
in the class that day was, you know, kind of why bad things happen to good people. Why is there suffering in this world? So he came to his lectern, and he stood there, and he couldn't speak. In what seemed like five minutes, it may have only been a minute, he literally could not speak, and you could tell that he was overcome with emotion. And he backed up, and all of us sat there in a very uncomfortable silence. And when he regained his composure, he stepped up to the mic and said, there is no understanding of Christianity outside the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we didn't under know that day that we found out a few days later, that morning, Dr. Wall's wife had left him. And so he was coming to talk to us about why bad things happen to good people and could not, un could not get his composure. But when he finally, <coughs> finally did, so there's no understanding Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we stand together, please. Father God, I pray for people under the sound of my voice <clears throat> that kind of feel like their hope is in this world that are putting all their eggs in this world kind of basket. I pray that the truth of this message will tell them that there is uh, another world waiting the Christian, the one who believes in Jesus, the one who loves God, the one whose life is in God's direction, not in their own. So I pray for that person, those people here today, for them to be able to come to grips with the reality that in this world they will have trouble and they come to the reality that there's a better place a coming Father take this message that is the truth of your word lodge it into our spirits so we may think correctly about the little trite things we say. May we know not ever again tell someone that everything happens for a reason. May we know you and who you are and the things that you allow, things that you cause, and the things that just happen cause of our own free will, our own fallenness. Now, Father, I want this church to take this message, go home, search their Bibles if they have to, and make sure it's right. Not just to blindly swallow it, but to be able to search the scriptures and make sure what I've said is on target. Father, bless these people. Help them in their walk with you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You are dismissed.